Have you ever been taken off a planned route onto a detour? I'm sure you have many times. <laughs> I have. Uh, one time when I was just a kid, my dad took us on a camping trip in Appalachia, uh, way down in Kentucky, and we began to wander, and we came to this detour, and it says, got to get off, and we got on this mountain road, and then it started to wind its way through a lot of crazy little Appalachian villages, basically, towns. The roads got really bad, potholes and everything. It was just crazy. And then finally, we started to hit some outskirts, kind of the houses the people were there. These are not actual pictures, uh, but they are very similar to what I experienced. And then we came to a house, and there was a young woman in the front yard, and she was raking leaves and, uh, and just, having, uh, just doing some work in the, in the yard. And uh, we, we wanted to ask her for directions because we were so lost on this detour. And she was started to answer us. And then her father came out with a shotgun. And we said, I think we're out of here. And on we went. And we eventually found our way back onto the main road. The detour was so uh, confusing. It was so troubling and, and at one point pretty terrifying. You got a guy with a shotgun uh, coming after you. So detours can be like that. And those are literal detours. But guys, there are a lot of just uh, personal detours, life detours, uh, spiritual detours. Uh, when we have a planned route, when we have a plan and life doesn't go according to our plan. And I'm going to talk to you today about when life takes a detour. We have been making way through the book of Acts. We're in our next to last message. Next week we wrap it up. But it's this extraordinary movement of God in the early church. And we meet up with this man named Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, but he met the resurrected Jesus on the Damascus Road. And he was transformed. And he became God's messenger, God's chosen instrument to take the good news to many. And so after decades of sharing the gospel, planting churches, sharing the good news, he made a return trip to Jerusalem. We saw this a few weeks ago. And a riot breaks, breaks out against him. He gets arrested. We've gone through several aspects of kind of a sham trial. Uh, eventually, there's a death threats against him, a murder plot against him. And he is taken to Caesarea by the Mediterranean Sea. And last weekend, we saw that he appeared before Festus and King Agrippa, the governor and the king, and uh, he tried to persuade them, but they weren't interested. They walked out and they said, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. See, Paul knew that there was a plot against his life and he also knew the trial would not be fair. So he appealed as a Roman citizen, as he ever had a right to, to appeal to Caesar, which means you will actually be taken to Rome for trial. And so they send him to Rome. And if you turn to Acts chapter 27, we're gonna pick up this story. And what we're going to learn is on these detours of life, God does can do some amazing things. It's not the way we would have planned it, but it's the way God plans it. And the Apostle Paul boards a ship to take him to Rome. But there are several detours along the way. And in these danger, dangerous and difficult detours, God does some amazing things. He uses these detours to refine the Apostle Paul and elevate the Apostle Paul's stature among non-believers, and the mission of Jesus advances in remarkable ways. Paul will eventually get to Rome, we'll see that, but not before a few detours. And you and I, we have our detours too. We have difficult times, we have difficult challenges, 
And sometimes we get, we get angry about those or we get depressed about those or we get worried or doubting. All sorts of emotions flood in. And maybe you're in that space right now, right today, or maybe you will be. Um, this story, this incredible adventure story from the book of Acts that involves a storm, a shipwreck, a snake bite. Eventually, God fulfills his purpose. And along the way, he has people that he wants us to influence, and he has things he wants to do in our hearts. So there's some great practical principles from this adventure story. And I just want to pick it up here. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is given over to a centurion, a Roman centurion named Julius. And Julius is going to put him on a ship, and they're going to set sail. And the Apostle Paul is going to uh, be accompanied by the author of the book of Acts, Luke, the doctor Luke, physician Luke, and another Christian man named Aristarchus. And they start making their way. So they, they're clear over here in Israel and then Caesarea, and then they start sailing. They go, to, they go to Sidon, and they sail around Cyprus, and they go to Myra. And at Myra, uh, Julius, the centurion, switches ships. He finds a bigger ship that's going to Rome, a cargo ship. These are massive. Uh, they held hundreds of people, not in luxury accommodations, mo mostly just stayed on deck. But he, he finds this Alexandrian ship, that's from Egypt, and it's headed to Rome. It's weighed down with a lot of cargo, and we learn later, 276 passengers. They make their way to Canidus, and then they make their way down to Crete, the island of Crete, in the middle of the Mediterranean, and then to a little uh, place called Lycia. And at Lycia, that's where we pick up the story. Uh, and it says in Acts chapter 27, verse 8, With still more difficulty, we sailed along the coast and came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now, I love how Luke writes this, a place called Fair Havens, because this wasn't the greatest spot, actually. It's still a sleepy town. There's not much happening there. I think this is a chamber of commerce name for the city, Fair Havens, to make it look attractive. But it's never really caught on. It didn't catch on 2,000 years ago, and it still hasn't, because it's not a great harbor, and it wasn't a great place to winter. They were looking for a place to winter. Uh, verse 9, but now much time had passed and the voyage was already dangerous. Why was it dangerous? It says, since the day of atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice to and told them. Okay, here we go. The reason it was dangerous is because it was way too late to be sailing a cargo ship in the Mediterranean. I mean, even today, not that much happens in ships uh, 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 like this uh, in the months after September. October, it's kind of dicey. November, December, January, February, March, you are definitely not sailing 2,000 years ago. It, it's treacherous. You're going to not make it. And so Paul sees this objectively. They're, they're wanting to deliver their cargo. And by the way, there's some, uh, there's some bonus money if you make a late season cargo delivery to Rome. And so there's a financial advantage and the centurion just wants to get Paul to Rome and be done with it. So he, Paul gives them advice and he says, man, I, I can see God gave him insight into this. This voyage is headed toward disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. So he's warning them. He had no expertise in sailing, but common sense and insight from God says, this is a bad idea. Don't do it. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship who have get there-itis. They've got to get there. And 
they paid attention to the captain and owner of the ship rather than what Paul said. So Paul's telling them, guys, you can't do this. This is insanity. And the captain says, hold my beer. Uh, watch me do this. Uh, famous last words. Okay, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, we told you it's not Fair Havens, it's a bad place. Uh, the majority, mm, the majority, not always right, decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete facing the southwest and northwest, and to winter there. So take a look at the map here. They said, we just want to go over here to Phoenix. That's all. It's just like 45 miles, and it's a much better harbor. It's better facing. It isn't having these winds. It's a better place to winter in, and we don't want to spend the entire winter in this lousy port. So they want to get to Phoenix. And they said, just a short distance on the island of Crete, what possibly could go wrong? Hmm. Verse 13. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. A lot of times you see what you want to see. If you're looking for it, you can find reasons to do what you think you want to do. Whether or not it's a good idea, you'll, you'll see it. And that's what they saw. They said, oh, this is a gentle wind. This is just what we're looking for. So they sail off very unwisely, rashly, uh, late in the season, way too late to be sailing. Um, they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. So they're going to hug the coast and just be extra safe. But before long, a fierce wind, hurricane force, called the Northeaster, rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. So now the, the ship is out of control. Uh, the hurricane force winds, they, they give it up and they're no longer controlling the boat. The storm is controlling them. After running under the shelter of a little island called Kauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff, that's the lifeboat. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. So they're actually running ropes underneath the ship's hull to try to hold it together because it wasn't designed to take this kind of hurricane, a storm. Um, fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis, the Sirtis are sandbars in the Mediterranean. They're known as um, the graveyard of the Mediterranean because lots of ships, especially in these ancient times, were driven by storms into them and destroyed and, and people were killed. And that's where they're headed, headed for disaster. To the, they, they fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. So they're trying to slow the boat down with the anchor. Um, because they were being, we were being, now we, Luke's there, he's an eyewitness to this with Paul, we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. So now the whole commercial venture is off. They're just th trying to make the ship lighter. They're throwing the precious cargo, the grain, everything that they were doing this trip for in the first place off the ship. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now they're sh throwing equipment off the ship, just trying to survive. These are desperate measures. They're cold, they're starving, and they're terrified. Guys, these are experienced sailors. These are not rookies. They've been at this before, but they know what they're up against. And unwisely, they decided to push it. There's a lot of people that do that. We see that even today. They, they want to push it beyond a reasonable place where they take it into a danger zone. This happens sometimes with travel. This happens with finance. This happens with relationships, all sorts of things. They push it too far. And you're like, we're headed for disaster. This is not going to be good. Verse 20, for many days, neither sun nor stars appeared. 
So it's such a terrible storm. And this can happen. Um, they couldn't see the sun. They couldn't see the stars, which means you can't navigate. There's no way. You have no idea where you are. And you're a tiny ship, cargo ship, in the middle of a big Mediterranean sea. The severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Even these seasoned salty sailors are saying, we're done. It's over. We're going to be killed. Uh, we're going to die. This is the end of our lives. So check out the map here. They're, they're, instead of making this short little trip from Fair Havens to Phoenix, 45 miles, they just get blown by this hurricane force all through the Mediterranean, hurricane storm, and all hope's lost. Here's the first principle I want to give to you. Detours happen. Stuff you're not expecting happens. Sometimes things that you never saw coming just suddenly arise. You thought it was going to be easy and suddenly it gets hard. Sometimes, guys, it isn't even decisions that you yourself make. Somebody else made decisions, unwise decisions, that are causing you pain. All of us experience these detours in our life where, where life doesn't go as we expected. It's hard. And we had a plan, but we're way off course. We're in the middle of a storm. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you just came out of one. Maybe you're heading to one at some point. But detours happen. It's just a part of life. But there's something that God wants to do in the middle of storms, in the middle of the hurricanes, in the middle of detours that you never wanted and even warned against, perhaps. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, I mean, they're all seasick. They're all throwing up. Um, they're, they're all, law, they're insanely uh, terrified. So they hadn't even eaten. Since they'd been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, you men, you should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete. He's not saying so much, I told you so, but he's saying, you know, God gave me some wisdom here, guys. And, and, and you, 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 you didn't listen. You didn't heed the warning to sustain this damage and loss. And now I urge you, though, to take courage. This guy gets up. He's a prisoner. There's 276 people on board this ship. And now he basically is the leader in this terrifying, terrible storm and detour of life. And God raised him up. And even though he's a prisoner of the empire, he says, take courage. And then he makes an incredible statement. Because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. He makes an incredible promise to them. He says, nobody's going to die. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. You will make it to Rome. I want you to take my good news to the center of the empire, and I will guarantee that you will get there. And he adds, and indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. The angel promised Paul not only that his life would be spared and that he would make it to Rome, but that everybody else would also survive. So Paul says, so take courage, men. Because I believe God. 
Guys, a lot of people believe in God. They're not atheists. They believe in God. That's not what Paul says here. He doesn't say, I believe in God. He says, I believe God. I trust God. God's going to come through. And, and, and in the midst of these circumstances, that's what we're called to do, to believe God, to trust in God. He says, I believe God, that it will be just the way it was told to me. He's going to keep his promises. But we have to run aground on some island. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to make it. Second principle. When you're on a detour, when life's not going as expected, take courage. Steel yourself against those circumstances. Do not fear and believe God. Those are the situations where you draw near to God. Those are the circumstances where you, you, you start looking at the word of God, what promises he gives to you in his word. And you hold fast and you, you hang on to God. Keep moving through the story. When the 14th night came, guys, this is a two-week storm. Wow. We were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings and found it to be 120 feet deep, and when they had sailed a little farther and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. Uh, then fearing we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. So these guys know they're getting near land. And what do they do? They drop four anchors, and the purpose of the anchors is to drag the boat, to slow it down, and they prayed for daylight. These guys are mostly pagans. But at that point, they say there are no atheists in foxholes. There are no atheists on a ship headed toward being shipwrecked. So they drop the anchors, they do what they humanly can, and they pray to God for daylight. Here's one of my suggest you do. Drop four anchors and pray for daylight. What do I mean by that? Is take wise steps. You know, there's a human element here. They, they didn't just pray, although they did pray, certainly. But they also did what they knew was the right thing to do. They had been trained for these moments. And they said, this is how we're going to survive. So you find the anchors that you can hold on to. You, you go with the things you know, spiritually speaking, and just from human experience, are the right things to do in those circumstances. So you drop four anchors and, and, and you pray for daylight. You trust in God. You look to God. Because God can use our human decisions and even the wisdom, the collective wisdom that we've brought to circumstances and prayer together to bring about his, his will in our lives. Keep going. Verse 30. Some sailors tried to escape from this ship. They say, we're getting out of here. So they had let down the skiff, that's the lifeboat, into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. So there, this is all just a kind of a charade they're playing, but really they're going to say, we're getting off this ship. We're getting out of here. And they act like they're doing the anchors. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, the lifeboat, and let it drop away. Here's another principle. Stay on board. God's made a promise. No one on this ship is going to lose their lives. But the Apostle Paul says, but you can't get off the ship. 
if you don't trust in God, it's not going to go well. And the warning was rather severe here. Unless they stay on the ship, unless they trust what God has said, told me, you cannot be saved. Now, here we see how God's sovereignty, his, his overarching providence, his rule of the entire universe, where God plans and, and knows all that shall come to pass, intersects with human responsibility. And he says, guys, God's made a promise of how you can be rescued in this circumstance. You have to trust in that promise. And guys, this has a gospel application. God has sent his son into the world. And, and there's a way for us to be saved. It's by trusting in the promises of Jesus Christ. Not in our human ingenuity. Not in our wisdom. Not in our merit. Not what we think is going to work. That's what, the, that's what they were trying to do. He says, no, no, no. Trust in the way that God has put before you. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus, by all means, don't try to do it on your own. Trust in him. Put your whole hope in him. All right? So he says, then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the skiff and let it drop. They stay on board. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is for your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. So again, make wise decisions. You need to do what's smart here. You need to take some food uh, and the promise of God. None of you, you is going to lose a hair on your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God and the presence of all of them after he broke it, he began to eat. So he sets a godly example for them. And seeing that they were all encouraged and took food themselves, they started eating. In all, there were 276 on the ship. I don't know the ship's name, the ship. I'm going to call it the ship Hero because it's our hero, Paul, and it's a heroic tale. And when they had eaten enough on the ship Hero, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. Here's the principle. Make wise decisions, trust God, and give thanks. So yeah, make good decisions in the midst of that, like he told them to do. Eat some food, get, get some, make sure you keep yourself healthy, whatever it means to make those wise decisions. Trust God in his promises and maintain a thankful heart in the midst of all that. Keep giving thanks, all right? So when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. This is actually, we'll find out later, it's the, the island uh, of Malta in the middle of the Mediterranean. So um, it's, a, it, it's, it's, the, it's the Maltese people they're going to meet up with. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. After cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time loosening the ropes that held the rudders. They hoisted the four sails of the wind and headed for the beach and they're just like, okay, here we go. But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. The centurion was not, all, for all we know, he's not a believer in Jesus. But he wanted to fulfill his responsibilities. And I believe his heart had been touched. He saw in this man something amazing. He saw a prisoner of the empire rise to incredible leadership 
for hundreds of people. And he wanted to save Paul. And so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow, some on planks and some on debris from the ships. If you can't swim, just grab onto the pieces of the ship and float to shore. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. Wow. Take a look at the map here. So they're bouncing all around and they land at this tiny little island called Malta. The Maltese people, here's the principle, have bold faith in God who always keeps his promises. Sometimes you're going to have to go through really challenging circumstances. Have bold faith in God. He never fails on his promises. And I just want to encourage you with that today. It's an amazing passage. Truly remarkable. Um, it's a great action-adventure story. In fact, um, it's time just to pause. And let's just relax and maybe just hear the story kind of summarized so far. In fact, uh, just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. It started from this ancient port aboard a cargo ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and not so sure. 276 passengers set sail that day for a Mediterranean tour, a Mediterranean tour. The weather started getting rough, the cargo ship was tossed. If not for God's mercy on this clueless crew, the hero would be lost. The hero would be lost. The ship ran aground on the shoal of this crowded Maltese isle with Centurion, the skipper too, the Apostle Paul and his friends, the Dr. Luke, the soldiers and prisoners here on the Book of Acts Isle. Okay, thanks for letting me have a little fun with that. Pick it up. Once safely ashore, they learned, well, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary con kindness. They lit a fire and took us all in so it was raining and cold. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it in a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. Uh, when the local people saw this snake hanging from the Apostle Paul's hand, they said to one another, this man, no doubt, is a murderer. Because even though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Justice was not an abstract principle for them. Justice was one of their idols. That was the name of a god. They said, well, justice got him. They, they, didn't try, they thought Paul was a murderer. The Apostle Paul, they said he's a murderer. They, they were hateful in their ways toward him. What did Paul do? He shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. There's some, something to learn here. Because the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. I'm just going to do what? Shake, shake, shake. I shake it off. Shake it off. Woohoo! Okay. They expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop dead. After they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and said he was a god. Fickle folks that had not heard the gospel of Jesus. Not yet, but they're going to because Paul is there. Now in the area around that place was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to him and praying and laying his hands on him, he healed him. 
And after this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came, and they were healed. So they heaped many honors on us, and when we sailed, they gave us what we needed. Paul had a remarkable impact. In fact, historically, uh, there's many faithful traditions that say Publius, this, this leader of the island, became the first uh, real pastor, pastor. He became a follower of Jesus, and became the pastor of this land. And I've been to Malta, I've visited Malta myself, and today, uh, 97% of the people on the island of Malta consider themselves followers of Jesus. It's amazing. Not every one of them is, is perhaps a, a true follower of Jesus, but Christianity took hold here. In fact, um, today there are 360 churches on Malta, and the Maltese people say um, there's, there's a different church for every day of the year on Malta. It's an amazing place. Here's a principle. When we do good works, we bid goodwill, we can share the good news. We've said this many, many hundreds of times at Valley Church. Paul and others did good works, compassionate healing that was happening. They built goodwill. People welcomed them. They saw that they meant no harm to them. They saw that they brought uh, peace. They saw that they brought hope. And that opened up opportunity to share good news because as we see, the gospel took hold in amazing ways. The people had been there on Malta. When Paul arrived, they had been there for 3,000 years. But today was the day, and this time, the time that they spent there was the time they were going to hear the good news of Jesus. After three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship that had winter at the island with the twin gods as its figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, after making a circuit along the coast, we reached Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found the brothers and sisters and were invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome. And now the brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us and had come to meet us as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns. There's a lot of historical detail here to show us. These are real places. The Appian Road still exists today. And Paul saw them. He thanked God and took courage. As this has been hard for Paul to endure all this. But when he saw his friends coming through for him, and you need friends around you to help you through the detours of life, he thanked God and took courage for himself. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. He didn't get put in a prison. He got put in an apartment with a guard. And from that point, we'll pick up the end of the book of Acts next weekend. But here's the last principle for today. Detours happen, but God is sovereign. All sorts of crazy stuff happens, but God is sovereign. I end with this, guys. When you believe in God in the detours of life, when you really trust in him, it changes you. You're humble. You realize you're not in control. God is. You're responsible. When you trust him, you, you make wise, responsible choices. Um, you're brave. You have an extraordinary courage that you don't have otherwise. You're encouraged. Because you know, ultimately, God's in control. And finally, you become a leader. Like Paul, you rise. The cream rises to the top. And in the hardships and detours of life, we find out who really 
has a spiritual anchor, you become a leader. Father in heaven, thank you for this extremely powerful action adventure story. I pray that you'll touch hearts. I pray that you'll bring people to Jesus through this message and through this story, but also that for people going through really hard times, that they'll be encouraged and blessed, that you have a plan in the detours of their life and that you will, no matter what happens, even, well, God forbid, so that they lose their lives, you will bring them safely to the destination you have intended. We trust in you for blessings to come in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. And guys, um, have one more little fun way. We're going to wrap up the book of Acts next weekend. So I thought I would just end in kind of a, just kind of a fun way to invite you back next week. Now this is the tale of our castaways. They're here for a short, short time. I'll have to make the best of things trying to make this rhyme. The apostle and physician Luke will do their very best to heal everybody who is sick in their Maltese island nest. No phone, no lights, no motor car, not a single luxury, but Almighty God is with them as powerful as can be. So join us here next week, my friend. You're sure to get a smile from the ending of the book of Acts and the Apostle Paul's trial.